Early in Christ's ministry, they are trying to, his his feeding of the five thousand has happened. He sent them away. You're going to not eat my flesh and drink my blood. Have no part of me. He has been ridiculed for healing on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees think they have a pretty easy opponent to debate with because he's uneducated and and not rich. And so in verse chapter 7, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the feast, uh, by the way, was that because he was afraid of them? No. Jesus is orchestrating everything in his timing. So now the feast of the tabernacle was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go to Judea, that your disciples may see the works that you're doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. We're in uh, John 7. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And then verse 5 is very important. For even his brothers did not believe in him. So if they didn't believe in him, what is their motivation? The feast is coming of the tabernacles, and they're wanting Jesus to go. They're encouraging him to go. And their reasoning in verse 4 was, no one does anything in secret while he seeks to be known openly. But if they don't believe in him, what would be their motivation? They, 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 that is definitely one probable possibility. They certainly, but they don't believe in him. But, so they are asking for him to do something publicly. And right now, what, a lot of his fame is rumors. Because much of what he's done, you know, he's, he's, uh, turned the water in the wine, turned over the tables at the temple, fed the 5,000. It's still very early, but he's definitely, remember there are 5,000 people there that eventually got sent away. So there's, there's two things. One is exactly what Dolores is talking about. I think they want to know. They don't know. But there were, I, I gave this example uh, when we were teaching this um, to some kids uh, about two, three weeks ago. And it was, uh, if one of the junior hires came in and said that he dunked the basketball at lunch, the very first thing they would say to him is what? What's that? Yeah. Prove it. Who saw you? And... He'd say, nobody. I was by myself. And so what would the next thing they would say is, let's do it again. Go out and show us. So when I read this, they don't believe him. And I sense them almost asking it either in a curious way that we want to know, or it's a way of, all right, if you're really him, why do you do everything in secret? 
do it openly. So everybody, maybe they're they're trying to protect their brother and they're hoping he'll go. No, I I can't do those things. I was just because I would I would imagine it's it. This is such an interesting verse to me. Why would his brothers not believe him? They grew up with him. So it gives you a little bit of insight to his childhood, doesn't it? That it must have been relatively normal. That he probably wasn't going around the house doing miracles. You know, turning their water into milk or whatever. They, you know, because you know. um, we don't have much information about his childhood except when he was 12 years old. And so we kind of get a little insight to that for me. And so as his popularity is growing, his reputation is growing, I would imagine his brothers were having to answer a lot of questions. Hey, you know your brother says he's God's son? Hey, did you hear your Is it true your brother can heal? Hey, do you know where your brother is? We want to kill him. <laughs> they wouldn't say that to him. And so... They, this is the feast. The Jews are gathering one of the early feasts of his life as an adulthood since he kind of shown himself to be Christ. And then Jesus says to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. So, an interesting response. He is going to say this statement. My time has not yet come over and over and over. So let's establish right away. I think we're pretty, I think we've talked about this before. But when he says, My time has not yet come, what time is he talking about? It's the time to be crucified. Because when he goes to the cross, he actually uses the phrase, My time has come. You won't see me again. Um, so he is orchestrating and organizing and is the author of all of it. So what is your time is always ready? Today is the day of salvation. Um, and we do, 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 do we not see later in scripture that his brothers do believe? So... Right. You go back to, uh, you know, Joseph and his brothers, and there's always that kind of, uh, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I don't know. He's the oldest. You know, do, I just wondered, did, did they share with the family the miraculous birth, you know, and or did was it secret? And they don't seem to... It's very interesting, yes, and and I agree with you, Carol. Growing up in that house must have been because I don't imagine. I imagine you had a pretty normal childhood, but I don't think it was filled with anything. I don't think you got in trouble very often, so um, couldn't do anything wrong. Um, I remember years ago I was teaching. I went top third grade one time. The very first year I came to Merced. And they made me, t I had to teach third grade because the sixth grade class wasn't opening until the following year. 
And so I had twins, uh, Saul and Raul. And Raul was a troublemaker, got D's in school, and detentions quite a bit. Uh, Saul, his twin brother, was an A student, did anything you asked him to do, and and was just a delight. And so the mom came in one day, and, and I was a new teacher and here, and she was angry. She and, and I was there with the principal, and we said, "What? What's the issue?" He says, "Well, he likes Saul better than he likes Raul." And he says, "I said that's not the case at all. Well, how come you give him A's and give him D's?" And so there is that very strange, you know. Uh, yeah, it was. It's interesting. Um, he says the world. Uh, cannot hate you but it hates me because i testify of it that his works are evil um we read that verse this morning the context of it is very interesting why he says that to them at this time um and this gives a little bit of insight that maybe they see the hatred towards his brother coming people want to kill him i'm sure it got back to them that they want to kill him and so for his protection, they're saying to them, either go do these miracles and show who you are or go show that you're lying so they'll quit and leave you alone. And he says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. And really, isn't that the, the, the crux of the Pharisees' hatred for him? That he has told them that they are evil father of the devil he's going to tell him in chapter 8 he says you go to the feast i'm not yet going up to the feast for my time is not yet fully come when he said these things he remained in galilee but when his brothers had gone up he also went up to the feast not openly but as it were in secret so he still went but he just wasn't going to go publicly um We'll see him go into the town publicly on the donkey. But now that time hasn't come. So the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he is good. Others said no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now, has that changed at all 2,000 years later? There are those who violently speak against Christianity and against Christ. And those who boldly say, no, he is good. And others, what are two things that we are told never to talk about? Politics and religion. And so most of the world says, you know, we just won't talk about Jesus at all because we don't know. Are the Pharisees, if we talk about it, are we going to get in trouble? Are his followers? We don't know. And so, but but he is definitely at this point, as we get to chapter 7, uh, a hot topic. He would be trending if it was modern day. Uh, they are talking about him, and they are curious. And some are like, be careful, be careful, we don't know. Um, now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went to the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, 
How does this man know letters having never studied? And so this is really, a, to me, a, a really beautiful picture of how things have always been when, when from the time Christ was here. Remember, he is the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What we're going to see in, in this chapter is there is an, an incredible authority and power when he speaks. And people don't get it. They don't understand where it's coming from. And so we have this crowd over here that is discussing religion and discussing Jesus. Some say he's good. Some say he's evil. Some say he should die. Some say he deceives people. Some say, and we shouldn't really be talking about this, it's just causing a lot of dissension. Imagine, you know, no religion. It's what John Lennon wrote in the song Imagine. Imagine there's no religion. No no hell below us, above us only sky. Wouldn't that be great? And everybody goes, yeah, it would be great. Let's just get rid of religion. That would be fantastic. But then he starts to teach. And when he starts to teach and people begin to listen to him or read his word or listen to a, a good biblically grounded message, something happens to them. They're drawn to it or they're repelled by it. But there is something about the teaching. And, and those who believe that it's time to change the way things are done and, and less Bible and more this, that's not the way it's done. It's the words of God that cut to the heart. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts to the joints and the marrows and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verses do that. Whether as Don does or sent through a text, whether or not, you know, this this um, girl, I said she wanted to, to know what the best Bible apps were, so I sent her some Bible apps that I used so she could listen to sermons on her phone and, and go to those verses and read them. And so this is where uh, the Jesus word stands for itself. But he never studied. What does that mean, he never studied? Well, he wasn't a Pharisee. He was a carpenter's son. He didn't have to. Didn't have to. Why? It was his word. It was his word. And, and you're, that's so perfect because we're studying him. He's who we're studying. So when he speaks, it's, it's living scripture for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Jesus answered him and said, this is a great verse for us. My doctrine is not mine, but he who sent me. That has, the fact that Don, he is the word. And yet, he gives all of the glory of the doctrine or teaching to his father. That this is not mine, it's God. It is God's word, the word of God. And we have too many uh, philosophy preachers that are just preaching what they believe the Bible teaches or they believe God does. And it's, it's way off base. We have to take, if, if Jesus 
who was the word can say, my doctrine is not mine, but he who sent me, then we should only be sharing what the one who sent us says, not our philosophies. If anyone, uh, verse 17 is a very complicated, beautiful, and I, about a year or so ago, I think, I was looking at this verse and it just floored me a little bit. If anybody wills to do his will, so just take that one statement. And Larry, what, what is Old King James saying the same thing in 17? Does any of your script, your version say anything different? So if anyone wills to do his will, in other words, you have a desire. It doesn't mean you know God's will, but you have a desire to do God's will. And again, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There is none who seeketh after God. So if you are someone who is having a desire to know God, to, to dig into God, or to follow him, that is a drawing, as the Bible says. There's something going on. And he says, if anyone really wills to do his will, he will know concerning the doctrine, whether it's from God or whether I speak on my own. So as we share the word of God, and Jesus runs all the time to people who he looks at them, and, and I was talking to Gary about this this morning, when he looks at the Pharisees and says, you are of the father of the devil. You're never going to believe in me. We can never say that to anybody. We don't have that perspective. We don't have what God knows. Um, so we have to, and Gary said this this morning, as he says, we have to treat everybody as if, even if they're like a, like they're a Saul of Tarsus, that there's potential there for them because that's the truth. Anybody can be transformed at any time. And so, and Jesus now tells us, all you got to do is want to know about God and, and you'll know. Which, but why would a person not want to know that God is real? In the majority of the world, don't want him to be real. That's the difference. It's it. It's, they prefer darkness rather than light. goes right back to verse 7. They hate you because their works are evil. And so if there's a God, then I don't get to do whatever I want. And I really like living in sin. I like living in an evil world. So they're not even, they don't even have a desire for him to be real. So they're not looking. They hope he's not. They better hope he's not. But the problem is, he is. He is. Somebody said, I, I, there's something about this I didn't like. It, it's not unscriptural, but there is something about this this witnessing tool that, that um, I don't know, threw me off a little bit, and, and I don't know why, but it, they would go and say, um, I know what it is that bothers me about it. But the, the, they, they approach it this way. You believe there is no God. I believe that there is a God. If I am wrong, it costs me nothing. If you are wrong, it costs you 
eternity in hell. While that is a true statement, what I don't, what I really don't like about it, is there's no if for me on this side. If I say to somebody, "Well, if I'm wrong," then I have opened the gates to me possibly being wrong to them. Like, oh, see, even he doesn't know if it's real or not. Right. I know that I'm right. And so, although the illustration is good, but there's, there has to be a better way to word it without that, that you know, um, you might say to that person, you better make sure you're right, because if you're wrong, and I know you are, this, the results are horrible. So, But if a person, and then this goes to the Holy Spirit again, wills to do his will, he'll know. It's not he might know. God makes sure you'll know. This totally eliminates that whole, well, what if a person's on a desert island and they've never heard, and what if this, and what if that, and they take all these scenarios that would never happen because God will make sure the word gets to those who are going to come. Verse 18, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. Boy, do we see that today. We see that today. And it, it is easy, and, and, and I am certainly not immune to this. We've got to watch ourselves, and this is why there's the accountability to Don and to Larry and, and to others now in this, this church that make sure we're keeping the word. Uh, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keep the law? Why do you seek to kill me? So he is, they're, they're confused. They're arguing back and forth. He begins to speak, and they say, how does he even know what he's talking about? He's not studied. He's not gone to the Bible colleges that we've gone to. And Jesus says, you know what, because my doctrine's not mine. I didn't study this and come up with it. This is what the one who sent me said. And if you really wanted to know me, if you were really truly seeking God, you would know whether this doctrine was from me or from somebody else and from God. You seek, he's talking to them. If you want to seek your own glory, there's no truth in you. And I can tell you there's no truth because Moses gave the law which says, Thou shalt not kill and you want to kill me. By the way, this is the uh, very easy um, kind of uh, comparing the Koran to the Bible. You can see the Koran has so many things that a, a, a true creator of the universe would be against that it loses all credibility. The people said, you have a demon who's seeking to kill you. And what I really want you to see as we go through these verses is nothing's changed. If you point out somebody's sin they'll deny it lie about it and then accuse you and what they use mostly against us as Christians is you say you know and, and this is kind of what we're going through with family is is um, well, we can share details of it you know Jonathan and Allie struggling with their marriage and Liz's recommendation was they should 
get back in church and it would strengthen their marriage and not drink so much and it was you're judging you've been judging us since you met us and that's how you think you don't want to be around us and you don't want to do this and that. well that's the attack were they planning on killing him they had already talked about it we have to kill this guy we've got to and so he says by the way that's why they were looking for him they figured he would end up in the feast and that's the way they would kill him Jesus says to them you say you follow the Moses law but now you want to kill me and their answer because they got caught red handed so to speak was you have a demon who's seeking to kill you we didn't tell anybody. Did you tell anybody? You tell anybody? Did you? They got caught, and that's how the world responds when they're caught in sin. And they'll march on the White House, and they'll hold up the little statue and say, "Say, I, if I didn't have an abortion, I wouldn't have won this award." And they'll do everything they can to make what is good evil and evil good and make those who are crying out for this country to turn back to the morals and the Christ it was built on as the evil ones. It's, it's so easy to see. It happens all the time. Right? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So are human beings. And so are the strategies of our enemy. They don't change much. He, he gets us to question God's word, Look else, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel. So remember, this is so good. You're going to like this a lot, if you probably already know it. But remember, what was their main, like, um, accusation against Jesus that would allow them to kill him? And that is healing the lame man on the Sabbath. When he healed the lame man on the Sabbath, I think it was John 4, that was the thing that that he broke the Sabbath. He can't be from God. He broke the Sabbath. So Jesus answers to them and says, I do one work and you all marvel. Moses, therefore, gave you circumcision. Not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man whole on the Sabbath? Don't judge according to appearance, but judge with a righteous judgment. Now here's the circumcision argument. It's so, Jesus is obviously so smart, but it's still, it's like, wow, that is so good. Well, what is the law of circumcision? eighth day so if you're born on Friday the eighth day falls on the Sabbath so now you have a moral quandary you're not allowed to do anything on the Sabbath but you also must circumcise on the eighth day so they he says in verse 23 if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so the law of Moses should be broken how can he be angry with me I know you guys work on the Sabbath because obviously how they have settled this is they take the circumcision law to supersede the Sabbath law. And so 
Jesus says, so I'm not allowed to do a good work on the Sabbath, but you are? He has such a way of clearly bringing out their hypocrisy. They're not quite aware of that yet. Um, The next chapter we'll get to is when they bring the woman caught in adultery. So they're still testing him. And every time they do, they miserably lose and look foolish. And so this is a great verse on legalism and all kinds of things. And so what he says is, don't judge according to uh, appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So our judgment, as Christians say, if we say to somebody who says, well, I don't believe in God, and I say, well, if you don't trust in Jesus Christ, you are going to go to hell. And they said, you have no right to judge. But God does have the right to judge. And those are the words of God. Therefore, it's a righteous judgment, do you see? When we say to somebody, you shouldn't live together. Or if you go to church, it'll strengthen your marriage. Those are not opinions at all. Opinions become judgmental. But the word of God is righteous judgment. The word is what judges you. The word is what reveals or convicts. So some of them from Jerusalem said, Isn't this whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks so boldly, and they don't say anything to him. Do the rulers indeed know that he is the Christ? (laughs) He's winning this battle, obviously. But the people who, they just, uh, we didn't, you got a demon in you. Who said we're going to kill you? And then the people go, hey, isn't it the guy they said they were going to kill? And yet they look intimidated. He's speaking so boldly to them. Oh, maybe they're believing in him now. However, we know where this man is from. But when Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. So we're going to talk about um, this more next week. A lot of the people's confusion of Christ is based on misinformation. Some people don't want to know anything. Some people have been given information about Jesus that's not true from books or people or or relatives. And so their rejection of God is not out of anger or I don't want anything to do with them. It is about misinformation. So they get some misinformation in verse 27. We know where he's from, but when Christ comes, no one knows where he's from. What's the misinformation there? The Bible tells us where he's from. It was prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. We're going to see next week that some eliminate him because he's from Galilee. And they say, no, the Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem. So there... It's not that they have the wrong information. It's that they don't have enough information. In this case, they have been given a little bit of a teaching that's not accurate. So therefore, they're eliminating Jesus based on a false statement. So this is where we come in. Our One of our main responsibilities on this planet 
is to know the information well enough to fill in the gaps or correct false information. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody who said, well, I don't, because the Bible says this, and you say, it says that nowhere. It doesn't say that anywhere. And I've had that conversation with, can you show me where it says that? Well, I don't know where it says it. Well, you know, because it doesn't say it. If you if you can show me, I will agree with you. Well, I, I, I just heard it was in, you know, and so they have false information. And, but... If, if you are ignorant of the scriptures, you are not in any place to be able to. And this is why, I tell you what, um, Larry was here tonight. Those, we have a group of TNT kids that were here tonight. They just know the word. It is the Palakoff girls and Sarah and Leah and um, Chloe they they just you can talk to them like you, some I, I trust me I get more out of them than I do in some of the high school classes at Stonebridge I taught they really uh, we were going through uh, <laughs> um, um, Jacob and Esau today when Jacob's mother asks him to lie to his father about who he is and so I just asked the question you know. You're not supposed to lie, but you're supposed to obey your parents. What would you do? And they took a pretty good theological grasp at that, you know, and, and it was just, I almost cried just sitting back listening to them. And I really am, am grateful for our leaders and the parents because we're equipping these young people to stand because it's not going to be easier for them and they need the word and, and um, so that it just I was I was happy to see that and I think we're doing the right thing I think we're really trying to get the right thing done um, so they heard the word they saw how he spoke with authority but they eliminated him based on wrong information we know where he's from. We're not supposed to know where he's from. They judged according to the flesh. They saw him as a carpenter's son from Nazareth. This can't be the Messiah. But man, he's sure doing miracles like he is. So Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple saying, You both know me and you know where I'm from. But I have not come of myself. But he who sent me is true whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. This is another verse that's going to happen over and over again. And what's interesting is this. We don't have any insight to why they didn't lay a hand on him. We know that the reason was he didn't want them to lay a hand on him. But we're going to see in a, in a couple chapters that in one place they go to lay hands on him and the Bible says, but they could not see him and he, he walked out in the midst of them. In this, we're not given the details of whether or not they just didn't try, they wanted to. I thought you were going to lay. I thought, why didn't you arrest him? Why didn't you arrest him? And, or did he disappear? I don't know. Or did they? 
but he is so th- this God is so great that you serve and and I, I it's a lesson that boy I, I just want to be a man that doesn't fear and I got to work on that because Christ is with us if he if God is for us then what who can be against us and that same God uh, is amazing so we'll do the rest of this chapter next week Heavenly Father we're grateful to you Lord for some insight to see how things work behind the scenes that are the same today. Lord, help us to be bold, to not speak our own words, what we feel and what we think, but Lord, to know the scripture, know the word, that we can fill in the gaps, correct mistakes. And Lord, help people to come to to Jesus Christ through the knowledge of the truth and the knowledge of his word. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.